You're listening to The Treatment Room with Tess and Lauren, the podcast by estheticians, for estheticians, and those who seek to learn about their own skin from a professional's perspective. We're diving into our whys as licensed skincare therapists, sharing in our career journeys, and separating the gimmicks from the real heroes in skincare. Welcome to The Treatment Room. Hi everyone, welcome back to the treatment room. Today I am doing a little solo episode. I just had the urge to talk to you guys and I figured why not make a little episode. I recently posted on my stories asking you guys to ask me literally whatever is on your mind in regards to skincare and I got so many amazing responses. I figured Why not make an episode and have that be more evergreen so you guys can refer back to it, so you can listen while you go about your lives, while you're driving or folding laundry. So I think this will be fun. And yeah, your guys' questions were so good. I think a lot of people are probably wondering the same things. So before we get into those questions, I just wanted to say hi, have a little check-in. I know it's just been the most bizarre summer ever in past few months. And like on a real level, I know a lot of estheticians have really struggled financially and emotionally. And I, my heart is so with you guys. My spot is still not open and we're in September now. I know a lot of spas have started to open up and SDs are slowly getting back to normal, but I think it's a little bit different for everyone. But my heart so goes out to everyone who's been out of work or especially those who've invested in a business and have had to pay rent while they close their doors. I know that is so much to think about creating, making sure you're creating a safe environment when you do reopen, but still wanting to deliver that same relaxing experience. I know it's a challenge. And for me, I think one of the weirdest parts was just not having that day-to-day routine and sense of normalcy where I was, you know, waking up and doing my little commute and making my, my smoothie for the car ride. And, you know, having that daily communication with my clients, talking to them, hearing what's going on. And that positive client relationship really was probably one of the best parts of my life, like feeling like I made a difference in somebody's outlook on themselves or their daily routine or just provided a little safe haven for them to come to. It really gave me a lot of purpose. So I think not having that was just just jarring and strange. And when you're, you know, just sort of confined to your apartment, like I've been, it's just, you know, you and your four walls and maybe your partner, but you don't see those, those people that bring you so much joy. So I cannot wait to see clients again. And my heart is really with all of the estheticians. I think one of the things that has stood out to me and kind of the overwhelming feeling is just like estheticians love their work. They love 
doing what they love. That's why they do what they do. And everyone has been so saddened not to be working. I think that just really speaks to the just the incredible nature of our industry. So my heart is with everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. I am going to dive into the questions and I'll start with this first one, which I think is a really great one. If you are an esthetician, I'm sure you are familiar with this. This is more so for a consumer. So this person asked, how do I, how should I use retinol? And I think this is a pretty loaded question. It's a great question. But I think it's it's sort of twofold. The most important things to me are first making sure your skin is prepared to receive the ingredient. And secondly, ease it into the routine. So by preparing the skin, I mean make sure it's in a good place where the skin is strong and resilient. And I think that really involves creating a baseline routine that is strong and that your skin has positively reacted to. So your skin should be in a, in a little bit of a stable, strong place before you start to introduce retinol because retinol introduces heat. Heat is acne. Acne is heat. It can produce inflammation, irritation. So you really want your barrier to be intact. I think vitamin C goes so hand in hand with retinol and can be, I think, a great first step in preparing the skin and strengthening the skin before retinol. But if you want to start using retinol, I think aside from getting your routine in a strong place, you want to start out a couple nights a week once you've chosen your retinol and you want to gradually increase it as you are able to without noticing major signs of irritation. That's also a good time to increase your strength of retinol when you notice you are able to use it without visible time, visible signs of irritation, you might be able to increase your strength a little bit. And another important thing to note with retinol is that all formulas can really vary so greatly. And even just beyond the percentage of the active ingredient, the buffers in the formula really matter as well. And there's so many different forms of retinol. There is over-the-counter, there is differin, which is available at the drugstore. There are obviously, you know, it seems like every brand these days has some form of a retinol. There are also medical grade, tretinoin, um, more prescription strength retinoids. The difference between over-the-counter retinols and retinoids is really a matter of strength retinols tend to need to go through more of a conversion process. So one way I kind of think of it is like a little factory line. A retinol needs to be converted to retinoic acid, and that takes a little bit more of a process than a prescription strength formula that more easily converts to retinoic acid. Tretinoin and prescription strength retinoids 
have gone through rigorous testing and they are FDA approved. So they essentially have to be proven to work on the skin, whereas there are still many great retinol choices out there, but I think it can be a little bit more of a gamble just because there are so many options that haven't gone through as much testing. So when it comes to how to use retinol, you know, you want to apply as instructed. Every manufacturer will have, you know, their own instructions for use. If it is a retinol serum, likely you are going to apply after cleansing and toning and before moisturizer. Similar with a prescription strength retinoid for the most part, but some people are instructed to use it over moisturizer. So I would just go with the manufacturer's instructions and very important that you only use the retinol at night. And when you do start to use retinols, I got my boyfriend on one this past year and I had to give him like the lowdown, the warning. When you make the choice to start to use retinols, you have to be so diligent with protecting your skin. So Gotta make sure you wear your SPF. My boyfriend is a baseball coach, so <laughs> he thinks he can get away with not wearing sunscreen sometimes and just being on the field <laughs> all day. It just it doesn't work that way, and it's just more counterproductive at that point since retinol can make you more photosensitive. So if you're attracting more sun, you are essentially increasing your skin damage and advancing the signs of aging. So it's a little bit counterproductive. So you want to make sure you are wearing lots of SPF. If you are wearing retinol every day, no excuses, just make it part of your morning routine. And that way you are protected. Also, I know I mentioned earlier, you want to make sure you Start to incorporate a vitamin C if you want to see the maximum results. Now finding the right vitamin C for you is a whole nother story, but it can really increase the benefits of using retinol and that you would use in the morning. You would not use the vitamin C and retinol together in the same nighttime routine, if that makes sense. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Uh, this was... Okay, next question. Alrighty, the next question is, what do you think of the tinted Elta MD SPFs? I have very acne-prone skin. So this is actually one of my favorite products. I think the Elta MD SPFs are fantastic, specifically the UV Clear line. And I think the tinted version is the same name, UV Clear, but I think it just has tinted on it, but you might want to double check. So I use the normal one and I absolutely love it. It is the holy grail sunscreen, like my favorite sunscreen I have used of all time. And I will say, I think this sunscreen is suitable for all skin types, even very acne prone skin. This product has a very gentle concentration of niacinamide, which can really help with inflammation. Niacinamide is one of those ingredients, I think it's gotten so buzzy and it's in a lot of things. 
fantastic ingredient, but I think sometimes in a lot of formulas, there is way too potent of a concentration. And some people can actually experience irritation from niacinamide, those who are especially sensitive, those who are especially rosacea prone. You can have a little bit of a negative reaction to niacinamide, but this just formula, this formula is absolutely amazing. I recommend it for everyone, especially acne prone skin types. It can really help to minimize the size of pores and minimize inflammation again. So I love the clear version, but the feedback I get from clients on the tinted one is that just everyone I've asked skin types across the board, everyone has loved it. And they have said they feel like it's slightly glowier than the original. So maybe keep that in mind. Make sure you don't mind a little bit of a glow because it sort of just makes you look tan and glowy. So I know some people prefer more of like a matte look. And for that, I would just maybe stick with the original. Okay, next question is, what are the best topical ingredients for treating jawline slash neck acne? Okay, this is a good one. It is so common and there are really so many triggers. So there's some key things I want to bring up that I feel like are not talked about often enough when it comes to acne. So Firstly, I would mention dairy intake is very, very important. I, I hate, I feel like food can be tricky. Like I don't want to tell somebody not to eat something if that brings them joy or, you know, if they've had a history of disordered eating, I always want to be conscious of that. But dairy, unfortunately, it can really exacerbate acne. It you know, has an effect on the androgen hormones, the sex hormones. It just leads to increased production of oil. And that jawline area is an area with larger oil glands that can just produce a lot more oil if we are eating an excess amount of dairy. Or just if you have some sort of intolerance, your skin is trying to tell you something with those breakouts. So, something to be mindful of. That gut-skin connection is so real. So I would suggest possibly an elimination diet of three weeks, trying, taking out the dairy, see how you go with it, see if you notice positive changes in your skin. I, I remember cheese used to be such a big part of my life. I loved it. And I would have it in probably like two out of my three meals of the day. I would have it in the morning with my eggs or my breakfast. I would probably have it on a salad, like maybe as a snack. It was just way too much. And I feel so much better now that I have been off dairy. And I gotta say, there's so many fun alternatives these days in the grocery store that taste like the real thing. I don't feel it's as difficult as it once was to eliminate dairy. There are almond and oat milks and so many types of vegan cheeses to explore that really taste pretty close to the original thing. So something to keep in mind. I love making like a little quesadilla with a siete tortilla and some vegan 
cheddar shreds. That is like one of my favorite meals. I'll make the bonza vegan mac and cheese. That is an absolute favorite. So many options. You don't really have to give up the the actual taste of cheese if you want to notice improvements in your skin. Okay, the second thing when it comes to jawline slash neck acne is hormonal changes. Sort of similar to the dairy thing, that is just such a hormonal area. So you may notice after a change in birth control, you may notice some changes in your skin in that area. So it's something to be mindful of. You may also want to get your hormones checked for any types of imbalances. I know I've had clients in the past who have done a hormone panel to assess out what's going on. And I've had clients who say they have like a crazy amount of cortisol or estrogen, and that can definitely throw things off. So something to be mindful of, even IUDs or changes in the oral birth control pill can definitely produce some change. So something to think about. The next thing, which is a little bit less talked about than hormones, is SLS. So SLS stands for sodium lauryl sulfate. It is a very harsh surfactant that is typically used in a lot of cleansing products. And it's just, it's very harsh in stripping. And I think, you know, years ago, people tended to really love that like squeaky clean feeling in their hair and on their skin because it felt satisfying. I think now we more so understand that's not a good thing, but SLS is something to be mindful of. It can be in your hair products. Shampoos can be full of it. It can be in your skincare products, some face washes. I feel like it's sort of phasing out, but it's you will still find it in some face washes, especially those at the drugstore. And Toothpaste is a sneaky little devil where SLS can hide. I noticed with my skin that toothpaste not only triggered a little bit of congestion around the jawline, but around the nose and the mouth. It was perioral dermatitis. It was little tiny bumps, just irritation from that SLS. So that's something to be aware of. And toothpaste can also be laden with fluoride, even sugar. So those things can take a toll on the skin by increasing inflammation. And eventually that can lead to an aggravated follicle or a form of acne. So something to be aware of. Next, I wanted to talk about laundry detergent because that's another little sneaky one. A lot of people don't realize, but I see such a pattern with my clients. It's the little tiny sort of rashy breakout on their chest, their neck. It can be on the face as well. And that to me is a very obvious indicator of a laundry detergent. When I notice it, pretty much 10 out of 10 times, I ask the client what sort of laundry detergent they use. And it tends to be the things like Tide with, you know, a lot of scent and sulfate. People who use dryer sheets that may have sulfates and the dryer sheets can be laden with lye, which is sort of like a fatty coating that can sit on the skin cause buildup and lead to acne. So be careful with the laundry detergents. 
my suggestion is to look for free and clear lines. Tide has an option. You can find more organic lines at like a a natural health food store, but even Target or CVS will have a free and clear option. So that may be something to check out. Quick break to talk about the sponsor of this episode, which is Fastic App. As some of you may know, Lauren and I are absolutely in love with intermittent fasting. We have been doing it for years on our own. The main reason we love it is it really helps with inflammation. As somebody who deals with chronic illness, inflammation can be a big problem for me. And it also helps to accelerate advanced signs of aging in the skin, which we absolutely don't want. So what's so amazing about intermittent fasting is it engages a process called autophagy. Now, this is just a fancy word for the body's way of cleaning out damaged cells in order to regenerate newer, healthier cells. The app is honestly amazing because I know myself and Lauren, we've sort of been winging the whole intermittent fasting thing for years. So if you're anything like me and you really just like having things laid out for you and having a concrete understanding of what's going on, the app makes it super easy. You're able to choose your window on the app, so you can go as intense or as casual as you want with it. I personally do the 15-9 window, which is totally doable for me. It just means I stop eating around 6.45, so I'll wrap up my dinner by then, and then I can have my breakfast around 9.45. And if I'm not hungry, I can totally just push it and adjust it in the app. It's also really fun because you can add a little fasting buddy. So you could add your mom or your sister or your boyfriend or your partner, whoever. You can add a little buddy just to help motivate and encourage you. So Lauren and I have each other added as buddies. So that's a really fun part of the app. Something else I really love about the app is it asks you what do you want to achieve with the fasting. So whether that's having more energy, living longer, losing weight, having better health, which is my reason, having more focus. I think knowing your why when we start any process makes it that much more meaningful and doable to push through when things get a little bit uncomfortable. So although intermittent fasting has become pretty trendy in the past few years, it's something that comes really natural for our body and goes back to our ancient roots. The Fastic team has 25 years of fasting experience, so they have been in the game for a while now. So I know in quarantine, it can be a little bit difficult to hold yourself accountable or have motivation. Fastic is the perfect companion for guidance to a healthy lifestyle in quarantine and beyond. The app helps achieve your individual goals, which I love. So again, whether it's having more focus or living longer, it helps you out with a personalized plan and gives you a lot of support. I've never been a fan of diets, and I think motivation can come and go with that as your cravings change. So I think it's much more of a better alternative to diets, something that is more of a sustainable lifestyle. I know in our society, there's so much emphasis on weight loss and 
if that's your goal, it is a positive side effect of fasting, but far more important are the long-term health benefits that come from fasting. Bringing it full circle back to that little process called autophagy, which we love, which is what, you guys? It's the body's way of cleaning out damaged cells. We love that. Again, it is activated through intermittent fasting, and it recently got a Nobel Prize. Doesn't get much better than that, except for the fact that the app is free. You can get it on the Apple App Store or Google Play and be twinsies with me and Lauren. Add us as buddies if you want, but definitely try it. Let me know what you think. I know something people say all the time is, I've used Tide forever. Like I've never had an issue with it. Why would that be a trigger? It can just be over time, like day in, day out for years on years, that inflammation and that just repeated sort of pummeling of fragrance and these ingredients that may not be skin friendly, over time, it can cause a reaction. So inflammation tends to be like more cumulative. It's not always something that's like an overnight thing that might be more of an allergic reaction, but you can definitely develop inflammation over time. And it may not even be something you notice on a daily basis. So next, I wanted to offer some treatments for people who are dealing with jawline or neck acne. So if it's more like little congestion, like just a little bumpy, I think AHA, BHAs tend to work wonders by sort of dissolving some of that congestion and offering a little bit of exfoliation, helping to level out the oil levels. If it's more like whiteheads in that area, I would go benzoyl peroxide to oxygenate the pore. Remember, bacteria cannot thrive where there is oxygen. So benzoyl peroxide tends to be a great solution for that kind of whitehead. If it's more cystic, sort of like flat hormonal, you don't want to prod at it too much or do anything super crazy. I found the the best thing for more cystic breakout, a lot of times it's hormonal or it can even be related to masks, wearing the face masks. I would go with a little bit of ice. Ice is great for acne since remember acne is heat. Just holding a little bit of ice on that area can really help to calm inflammation. So you can put some ice in a little baggie. You can use a cold tool. I will just sort of hold a cold tool on the breakout, like a little globe I have on the breakout, allow it to calm that inflammation. And I always notice so much more of a positive change than if I had, you know, gone at it, tried to extract it, you really wouldn't have much luck with something that's like a more cystic flat breakout. It's more just inflammation. There's not really an infection you can extract. So I think you can cause more harm than good that way. Try icing in general. If you're dealing with acne, it is just wonderful. And I think very underrated. So I hope that helps. The next question I have here is what is the best mask, like a face mask to combat redness for sensitive skin? I think this is a really good question and something I wanted to address 
is that I think oftentimes people lean towards something. They're like, what face mask can I pick up at the drugstore or, you know, at the grocery store or just in general, like online, what face mask can I get to improve my skin? I think the reality is face masks can be incredible, but they tend to be more of a treatment. I think the best thing to do, especially if you're experiencing acne and your skin's trying to tell you something, sometimes the worst thing to do is like throw little little extra things on top. Sometimes it can just be more stimulating and more aggravating if it's not the right type of mask for your skin. So what I would suggest, and not to say masks can't produce change, but I think the most important thing is the day-to-day routine, right? What you're putting on your skin day in and day out really will have the most effect. I don't know who needs to hear this, but a face mask is just not going to solve all your problems. And there's no cure for acne. I think we need to remember that there's still no cure, if you can believe it, in 2020 for acne. So face mask, yes, could be very calming, could be potentially detoxing, very hydrating, but it's not going to cure the acne. So what I would suggest instead is, again, looking at the core foundation of the routine. No, acne cannot be cured. It needs to be managed. So it's it's cyclical. And usually, unless it's more of like a reactive breakout, usually acne has to do with hormones and oil levels. And you need an active ingredient to break up that cycle, right? Acne is cyclical. So I think certain ingredients can really help to disrupt that cycle. Like let's use me, for example, I don't really have too many active breakouts anymore because I'm so set in my strong routine. My skin is really strong. My skin doesn't like react a ton to every little thing. It's in a good place. But if I were to stop using the active ingredients I use to manage my acne, it would just keep recurring. So (laughs) let's get back to the question, which is what is the best mask to combat redness for sensitive skin? I totally got off topic. They're asking about sensitive skin and I went into acne, but I think my message is sort of the same, like treating a condition or a type is difficult with a mask. So with sensitive skin, you want to calm, you want to nourish, you want to protect. People with sensitive skin have had sensitive skin since birth. They do say it has a connection with nerve endings and just the skin being more reactive and more sensitive, not sensitized, but just truly sensitive. So What I suggest instead of throwing money at a mask is, again, looking at the core routine and really just working on strengthening the barrier of the skin. It's truly so important. So with a weakened barrier, you might feel your skin breaks out or or flares up easily, which was me at one point. And the best thing to do is 
Think about how you can start strengthening the skin. So it could be using strengthening products. I think a really gentle, non-acid-based vitamin C is one of the most effective tools at fighting those more permanent reds, people who have that vascularity in, in their skin. The reason why I suggest like a vitamin C serum is it will penetrate deeper than a mask and it will truly help to strengthen the capillary walls and reduce that vascularity. Now, vitamin C is tricky. I don't suggest like somebody with sensitive skin just go out and buys any sensitive, any vitamin C because your skin is likely going to react. It could be more breakout prone. It could just be really angry. And a lot of people don't realize vitamin C can be exfoliating, can be stimulating. So it's important for sensitive skin types to go with a non-acid based vitamin C, something like magnesium ascorbyl phosphate, that kind of derivative of vitamin C would be good for you. And you still want to ease that into the routine. If you were to just jump to an L-ascorbic acid, I, which is the most probably common form of vitamin C, tends to be the most stable, you likely wouldn't have a good experience. And not to say you can't get there, but you really got to ease into the vitamin C, much like a retinol. So I would start again with just looking at the core routine, developing a proper hydrating, cleansing, toning, and moisturizing routine, and then intro the non-acid-based vitamin C. What you put on your skin daily, again, will have the biggest effect. And that sort of vascularity is, you know, it's a little bit deeper in the skin not necessarily something you can successfully treat long-term with a mask. That's going to be a little bit more superficial. But if you do want something that just sort of calms the inflammation, like you've had a little bit of, you just feel like you need your skin to calm down, Dermaplus has a really great mineral clay mask that's very calming for inflammation. I do that one once a week and it does have zinc in it. So that's a great ingredient for just calming the skin. Also just looking for throughout your products, soothing, hydrating ingredients like chamomile, calendula, maybe taking it easy on, you know, Actives, I know a lot of cleansers, moisturizers, toners have a lot of active ingredients or acids. So maybe just be gentle with those. Just calm, nourish, protect kind of vibe with your skincare routine. Okay, let's go to, I'll do one more here. I think this is a good one to end on, especially since as SDs, we are going to be wearing our masks likely day in, day out. Some of us are wearing two masks and it's just a thing. Like if, if we're going to be wearing our masks, the mask knee is going to be prevalent. And I know a lot of people have said like their skin is getting worse and worse because of it. So I want to give you guys some tips that could be helpful. And I know we've talked about mask knee before, but I feel like <laughs> repetition is not always a bad thing. So Sorry if you guys have heard these tips, but I think they're a good little reminder. So this person said, I'm sure you've covered this before, but what are tips for mask knee? My skin is getting worse. I said, I'm so sorry you're going through this. Here are my tips. Okay, number one, make sure your mask is comfortable. The more like noticeable irritation you feel on your skin, 
the worse it's going to be. So I really suggest a silk or an antimicrobial mask. Make sure it's comfy. And those types of fabrics can really help to minimize the bacteria on the mask. So those are great things to look for. I can put one in the show notes for you guys to shop if you would like, but make sure the mask is comfy and that will minimize the friction, which is sort of the driving thing behind Acne Mechanica. It's the heat, it's the friction, it's the tugging, it's the bacteria sort of in an enclosed, tight, humid space. It is just ideal for bacteria. So really not your fault if you're breaking out. It's just such such a environment that really encourages the bacteria. Really, really important I hope you guys aren't doing this, just wearing the same mask on repeat, but that's something we got to stop. So wash or dispose of it daily. Make sure you wash it with an SLS-free detergent. So avoid those conventional ones with a lot of fragrance and SLS. Next tip, put the mask on clean skin. So I know a lot of people are not morning cleansers. I'm always an advocate for that because because I think we sweat and excrete a lot of things overnight you may not realize. So I think it's super important to wash your face, get it, you know, minimize the bacteria on the skin before you put on the mask. And it's also important to wash off any retinoids from the night before, especially if you're going to be putting that mask over it, that friction with the active ingredients could be no good and really just exacerbate irritation. So wash your face in the morning. Okay, second thing with the masks is to wash or dispose of it daily. And you want to also ensure, of course, you are cleansing at night. And if it were me, if I go back to work and I'm wearing a mask all day, I would probably opt for a midday cleanse with a very gentle cleanser. I think skin should be able to tolerate the cleanser if it's gentle enough two to three times a day. So maybe morning after a workout and at night or morning and a double cleanse at night, your skin should be able to tolerate that level of cleansing. If not, maybe that the cleanser is too harsh or you don't have the proper routine that is keeping your barrier intact. So if it were me, I would cleanse my face in the middle of the day or at least swipe on a little bit of toner. The thorough cleansing is so key. Another thing you might wanna consider is adding in a little salicylic toner in your routine to minimize the bacteria on the skin. So looking for a product that has an antibacterial effect on the skin, I think can be really helpful. Tea tree can be another ingredient. There are many. So find a toner you like. I love the Derma Plus purifying toner. And I have started incorporating that in my morning routine. I'll do my cleanse and then a little swipe of the toner before I put my mask on. I'm not usually wearing the mask for so often, but if I was, I think a toner would be a good threat a good thing to like throw in your bag, throw in your backpack or your purse and just do in the middle of the day to sort of get that bacteria and oil under control. The next thing I would suggest is using cold tools to spot heal and prevent and calm inflammation. I know I talked about cold tools in regards to acne earlier, but that is a great one for mask acne acne mechanica that's really a result of inflammation and heat so 
What's the opposite of heat? Cold. Going to be super helpful for just calming down the skin, hold the cold on that area. It's like a little localized cryotherapy. So amazing. You can start doing that daily to be more like preventative, proactive, or use it to keep a breakout calm. Next thing I want to mention is there shouldn't be a lot of like vigorous scrubbing. If you are wearing your mask daily, you're noticing that irritation. I would say sort of be mindful of the actives in your routine already. We just don't want the inflammation to get like too crazy and using a really harsh exfoliating product or just like pressing it really hard into the skin could just cause more aggravation and your skin is already trying to tell you that that barrier is compromised. So something to keep in mind, no vigorous scrubbing. This is where a mask is like a helpful tool to calm inflammation. If you have a good like mineral clay mask, maybe a sulfur mask, that can really help to calm and detox the skin, right? So more of a treatment, think like calming and hydrating types of masks. There's so many masks on the market. So I don't want somebody to hear this and think like, oh, I need to go get a mask and just get whatever mask. Make sure it's a good mask that's like conditioning the skin. If it is also detoxing, make sure it has some good buffers so it's not leaving the skin feeling dry or tight or more aggravated. No good. So use a good mask to add to the routine, to supplement, to calm the skin. Okay, the next thing I'd mention is to skip makeup in that area like around the mouth. I feel like most of us aren't wearing makeup because why? We're already covering our our faces halfway. But makeup, although it's not the devil, having that underneath the mask can be problematic. So what I do suggest is ensuring there is a barrier between your skin and the mask. So definitely moisturizing, hydrating is the name of the game, moisturizing and protecting with SPF. But be mindful of the layering. If your skin doesn't like a lot of layers, if it reacts to that, keep it simple, maybe just do SPF and skip the makeup. That can just add more fuel to the fire, especially if there are, you know, a good amount of oils or certain things in the makeup. I think mineral makeup tends to be okay and pretty like protective. So if it's like a tinted sunscreen or like a mineral makeup, you're probably okay, but just something to like be a little conscious of. Okay. And so overall, keep up good cleansing, thorough cleansing, 60 seconds for every cleanse. Make sure you are paying attention to that jawline area and just really being thorough with your cleanse. You don't want to rush it. And then keeping the routine calm, cooling, and hydrating will really help to reduce that inflammation. Okay, guys, I think this is a good place to stop with the tips. Please let me know what you thought. You can always send me more questions if I didn't get to answer yours on this podcast. The more questions, the more content I have. So please don't feel like you're bugging me. I really love getting the questions. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love hearing your feedback. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please 
go on and give me a little review on iTunes. It would mean so much. And it really just helps others to know the podcast is a credible resource. So I really, really appreciate that. If you take a minute out of your day to do that, don't forget, I am on other forms of social media, including YouTube and Instagram. I will link everything in the show notes below. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an amazing day and I will talk to you soon. Bye.